Hello and welcome to our first At Her Best podcast for the modern courageous woman who pursues her passion and hustles with heart. At Her Best was founded in 2018 to provide leadership experiences to empower you at Life's Pivots. We work with Fortune 500 and achieving individuals to be at your best. My name is Minji Wong, founder, and our executive producer is Pauline Ng. Please join us on this journey as we create, test, and iterate our first series of podcasts. Today's guest is Angie Chang, who is the CEO and founder of Girl Geek X, formerly Bay Area Girl Geek Dinners. Prior to Girl Geek X, she was VP of Strategic Partnerships at Hackbright Academy, a women's engineering school which has graduated over 500 plus female software engineers. Prior to that, she co-founded Women 2.0 in 2006, a media company which promotes women in high-tech entrepreneurship, and Bay Area Girl Geek Dinners in 2008, now Girl Geek X. Beyond all these awesome achievements, Angie was named in Fast Company's 2010 Most Influential Woman in Technology, and more recently, Business Insider named her one of 30 most important women under 30 in tech. Angie has been invited by the U.S. State Department to speak on women's high-tech, high-growth entrepreneurship in the West Bank, Switzerland, and Germany. In her early career, Angie held positions in product management and web UI production at Big Silicon Valley startups. She's also a UC Berkeley alum. Welcome, Angie. Thank you for having me, Mindy. Of course. How are you today? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm um, taking this call in a car in the middle of this COVID-19, a car as conferences. <laughs> and we do. Yeah, I'm glad that we're going to have this conversation about hustling with heart and branding and the importance of being flexible in this time of, as they call it, rapidly evolving situations, as we as we know. Yes, a lot is happening in our current events and as we... Uh, survive through this pandemic. Uh, so one thing I wanted to jump right into, Friday, just a few days ago, you led yet another Girl Geek X Elevate conference where you inspired, connected, and celebrated women in tech. Tell me more about it. Yeah, so Elevate is Girl Geek X's um, virtual conference. We started it three years ago in 2018. And in 2018, when we first said we are going to kind of evolved beyond doing what we do. Like we've been hosting Bay Area Girl Geek Dinners here in the Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area for 12, uh, 10 years. And we said, we're going to do one event um, annually that will celebrate International Women's Day. And it will be a way to bring together women uh, around the world, as well as here in the Bay Area that where we live and be able to celebrate and listen to amazing women leaders um, at, companies you've heard of and some companies you haven't, and they are super inspiring and it's free for attendees. We are backed by sponsors who are mission aligned and they get some perks like promoting their jobs while our our community is able to connect once a year or International Women's Day. They have held also watch parties where this year, um, our third year, they have held watch parties at companies um, all around the Bay and also outside the Bay um, and I think we would have seen a more of a response if the COVID-19 had not uh, ramped up that week. And I think a lot of people wound up working from home, watching from their watch parties of one, but they were intending on doing a big watch party at their offices. 
Um, so it's a great, I think, opportunity to connect with people and celebrate and like hang out with fellow women. And as we know, many workplaces are male dominated. So it's great to find an opportunity to bring the women together and allies to hear from amazing women um, who are sharing their advice on things like belonging and inclusion, on things like AI and cybersecurity, and um, kind of hearing from other women on what they're working on and what they believe. So one of my favorite talks was a talk from um, Jomaira Herrera, who's an investor at Cowboy Ventures, and she gave a talk about the future of work, and she kind of talked about education, going online, um, as well as elder and child care um, and all the different portfolio companies that she's investing in and really excited about. So, yeah, we've definitely heard from a lot of great speakers, and now we are kind of looking at what we're going to be doing this year with, you know, this new evolving situation of huge events being canceled. Um, and now we're like, it was finally the time where people said virtual events. Oh, you're smart. Because for the last three years, when we did a virtual conference, people were confused by the virtual conference concept. And I said, why would I want to sponsor this when I could sponsor 10,000 person in-person conference? So I think timing, the timing is, it's often like luck and timing, right? So this year, I feel like we got lucky. Everyone's like, this is brilliant and great. We didn't get canceled. Many other events did. We've had some girl geek dinners get postponed indefinitely. So for sure, I think this year was a great success um, for us, and we are looking forward to more events. And we're glad that people seem to now be taking steps toward recognizing and um, supporting more virtual events. Awesome. Well, talk about luck. And speaking of luck, I was very lucky to have met you in person, in the real and raw, during a Girl Geek Dinners event at Walmart Labs, uh, which was hosted several years back. And a story that I wanted to share was how we actually sat at the same table uh, you and your fellow co-founders, and I introduced myself as the employee at Walmart Labs, and I asked, who are you? <laughs> and uh, it was very interesting how your response were. Uh, we were co-founders of Girl Geek Dinners. And more importantly, though, several years later, how we connected was, was so interesting. It was, it was uh, the intention was to connect another entrepreneur to you. And you and I really hit it off. And part of that, as an executive coach myself, is around the importance of branding and the importance of being memorable. So tell me more about your foray into the world of branding, not only as you brand yourself as a professional, but as you have evolved from Girl Geek Dinner to Girl Geek X. I think branding is... Um what people see about you and what you kind of put out about yourself. And I think I was fortunate in the sense where I've been hosting Girl Geek Dinners for 12 years and a million of 20,000 women that we've grown over the last decade. And my emails would go out from Angie Chang all the time, Girl Geek Dinner, Angie Chang. So I was in people's inboxes constantly. Uh, so I feel like I have benefited from some, I don't know, growth hacks or like growth marketing hacks where, um, my name would be very visible. I'd always be consistent with calling them Girl Geek Dinners. And I just front load, um, for example, if it was Google sponsoring, it would be the, which they did the first event um, in 2008. It was a 400-plus person Google Girl Geek Dinner. And who wouldn't want to go to Google Girl Geek Dinner? So, like, kind of aligning yourself with, like, top brands. 
and I and I think we look at them as brands categorically, but I also looked at it at the time more like this is a cool company that had a you know diversity initiative, and with kind of partnering with other cool, um, I guess brands, you're able to kind of both be lifted by that um, and be able to kind of leverage each other's communities and brand power to um, benefit from that. And I know nowadays it seems like um, branding is still very important. People are very aware of it. We're all on LinkedIn now talking about, you know, the first day of the job, last day of the job, jobs that we're hiring for. But it seems like um, personal branding has reached new heights. Um, I almost call it performative um, working but uh, it's kind of necessary or part of everyday life nowadays to be like I just launched this cool thing I need to talk about it um, which was a far cry than what I felt 10 years ago 15 years years ago when I was an IC software engineer slash web producer where I was much less inclined to brag about something that I thought was just part of my work but I think nowadays we're getting used to the fact that you have to kind of show off your accomplishments on these platforms that is like the, you know, Instagram for work. Um, so I think people have kind of taken branding and ran with it. And I hope that it can be seen as genuine and authentic and interesting and, you know, carving out a new niche um, for yourself. Because I think right now I see there's almost too much content, right? Like, there are like huge content marketing teams being hired by all the biggest companies in the world pumping out tons of content. We also have indefinite choices, like so many choices in podcasts, in like Netflix and Hulu choices, where I feel like content isn't what's lacking anymore. It's more like having a defined voice and brand and point of view. Um, and I think that specificity at this point is really helpful in people finding their place um so hopefully that's helpful i think we i've been always looking at um where the industry is going and i think it's still evolving and it's super fascinating to watch our community grow um, and as we've grown our products over the years so um in the last few years we you know when we celebrate our 10-year anniversary we said okay we have been called bay area grogi dinners forever and it's super long it's a mouthful and people always Call us Geek Girl Dinners, like Cheryl Sandberg at the Facebook Girl Geek Dinners, like Geek Girl Dinners. We're like, oh, no, we have to correct her. No, we don't. <laughs> but um, people get it confused. And we just wanted to make it tighter and shorter and more concise. And then, you know, you see these grand corporations where it's like something X Fenty or something. And they're like, just like you, there's like the X Factor um, and X is pretend. So we're like, okay, let's rebrand. Let's have this chance to redesign our logo a bit because we were using a logo from 12 years, 10 years ago, and it showed it's like a barcode with like, you know, the female sign that you would see on a bathroom and, you know, things have changed a lot since then. So we got a new look, which was a little more, I think, corporate, like it looked a little more like um, what you see in other, like, we've just tried some new things and I'm not, I liked it and I still like it, but we're always evolving. Like we made this cool G that um, we thought would be like showing the career evolution, um, you know, like a career jungle gym, you know, like we're helping women find their path through this maze of life kind of thing. And we thought this logo was really cool and capturing that. But over time, we've also kind of like let it go a little because it wasn't really 
resonating with our community and we had to be okay with it and not super wedded to it. So um, we've been still like, you know, branding is an evolution. We're changing with the times as the times are changing rapidly and getting a sense for what our community likes. And we've done some things that we've added little pixel people um, in our redesign, which were really fun and we really enjoy them. Um, But sometimes we found out that people were confused as they often are when they hear there's a girl geek dinner, they're like, cool, can I bring my 12 year old? We're like, actually our girl geek dinners are adult women. It's just a cheeky way of saying women in tech. So um, when we have the little pixel characters, people uh, sometimes think, oh, this is for my daughter. We're like, sure, but yes, this event is for adult women. But at the same time, it lets us bring an element of fun that we companies like large corporate companies that host this can't otherwise bring. So I think there's kind of like, there's always a compromise that we have to make. And also at the end of the day, I think us showing up as who we are um, and facilitating a great event is really what makes it count. So I know like you mentioned the time that Sukruth and I were at Walmart Walmart Labs Grogi dinner. And I think I remember that day. I think Sukruth and I, for some reason, you know, as many people are coming from work and exhausted and like there's no excuse for us to not be on our game and like warm and friendly to people that said hi to us. But I could definitely see how there were times in our careers where we were like really dragging our feet and like we could. Um, and I think I do now that since Girl Geek X is my full-time thing for the last two years, bring more of myself, like well-rested, ready to warmly meet new people, um, self to events. Um, and I think that has to do with where you are in life. I think Sagruta, she's a new mom to a six-month-old, so she is definitely having more things to juggle and um, comes to less events. And when she is, she tries her best to be on, but at the same time, I know there's a lot going on in her mind as well. So, um, But I really am grateful, Minji, that you bring, brought that back to my attention because I really, you know, that, that moment came and went. We host so many events, but I'm glad that someone was – thoughtful enough to provide feedback, which we hear about is so valuable for women that we so rarely get. And so thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. And I just, I vividly remember that time because many of us, especially as women of color, avoid conflict. And I would actually say many people in general. And what I appreciate most about you when I provided that feedback and for everyone who wasn't a part of that conversation, it was more like, hey, I had no idea that you were the founders. I actually had no idea uh, that you, the way you showed up, messaged to me that you were founders and that you were the people that have become the strongest brand ever, especially in, in women in tech, to support and empower each other. And that's pretty courageous to say, especially to a stranger. And I would actually say that your openness and your willingness and uh, ability to be vulnerable and was, was a catapult to the friendship that we share right now and to the openness that we have. So I wanted to share my appreciation to you, Angie, for, for letting me be courageous. Of course, I always love encouraging entrepreneurship with everybody. So always happy to talk about taking the leap and starting your own business because if not now, when? Exactly. So to your point about if not now, when, 
Angie, you were one of the first people I talked to when considering moving away from my career in Fortune 500 companies and pivoting to following my own passion. And I had no clue, no idea where to start, where to go. And you really helped equip me with the confidence that I needed. So I remember at that moment, it would have been to lead a very high-performing late-stage startup uh, in their talent development space or to go alone. And I actually chose to go alone. And yes, that company is doing very well and flourishing. But what I really appreciate is your guidance and your wisdom. So let's pivot a bit and let's talk about you as an entrepreneur and a little bit about your background from starting at the various companies that you worked with, high growth startups, to being an entrepreneur. Where are you right now? And what are you considering as your path forward? Yeah, so um, just for some, I think you mentioned this in my bio. I started a women's media company in 2006 called Women 2.0. Um, and I ran it for what I resume. I ran it for seven years or was a co-founder, editor-in-chief. But for like about five of those years, I was doing it on the side as a passion project. And I really believed in having passion projects. So Women 2.0 says passion project. And then it became a full-time gig for about a year. And then I faded it to the background because another opportunity came to me that I jumped at, which was to work at a women's coding boot camp. So I was like, this is great. And this is back when the coding boot camps were just starting. So I was like, this is super exciting. And after seven years at my previous gig, I was like ready to hire new people, train them and happily move on. Um, and I think after, and I was employee number two on the business side of HackBright, which I had a lot of fun at for four years. Um, but when that ended after four years, I looked at what I had and my second passion project Bayer Girl Geek Dinners, now called Girl Geek X, was something that I had been building consistently and doing on the side for a very long time. And people had always told me that I should monetize it. Like, you shouldn't do this stuff for free. You should totally charge. And I was like, I guess this is the time to do it. Um, so I totally um, just put together some sponsorship packages. And um, for a while, I thought I was getting no luck, but finally starting traction. And I we did a really great Last year, we did 26 events, um, and we've also done all of these virtual events. Um, so I think there's always those moments of you're like, you, I, I thought this was great, and then you try selling it for months, and then you're failing. You're like feeling like, oh, my God, I am so stupid. What is wrong with me? And then there'll be that moment when something clicks, where someone's finally like, okay, sure, and then suddenly, like, everyone's saying yes for a while. But then also, you know, there's it's, it's not ever consistent. So, like, I think we'll see this year is going to be pretty bad. The stock market just crashed. So it will be another time of change where now we'll be reevaluating what's important, um, what is, you know, what is relevant to people right now, and how can we help serve people where they are. So it's, I think, a super interesting um, time. And I also, I mean, I've, I've worked at a lot of early stage startups that are high growth, venture-backed, um, less than 50 people, and I found that to be my sweet spot. So I've done really well at companies like that. At the same time, I realized looking back, like it's been maybe 15 years that I've been working. And I know, Minji, you worked last at Facebook. Um, so you're able to say, like, I worked at Facebook. But now I'm like, maybe I want that job that, like, I can say once that I worked at a Fortune 100 company. That might be really nice for me to, like, have that experience in life. 
Um, so now um, I've actually started looking um, in the last six months for a job at a bigger company because there's so many amazing, you know, being in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's so many great companies. So now I've been taking a look at the biggest companies and seeing, okay, how can I get into one and learn? Because there's so much that would benefit me, I think, professionally and personally from doing that once in my life. Not saying forever, but just, you know, I think it would benefit me to have that experience. The grass is always greener, so they say. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've done. I mean, I've done grogi dinners on the side many, many times. I'm like, I've always had things that I can juggle, and it doesn't. I don't think it's going to phase me by having a job. I might phase the employer. I know that sometimes employers do feel like, oh, you're not giving my company your, you know, 200% or something. But I also feel like in this day and age employers seem to be more open to people having families and side projects and marathon runs to do. So hopefully it will not be an issue and seen as um, something okay. So let's get real and raw, especially mm -hmm. as entrepreneur to entrepreneur. What are some things that you'd recommend us mm -hmm. potential passion projects, side hustle, considering main hustle, future entrepreneurs, what kind of advice would you have for us knowing the realities of entrepreneurship? I think the reality is it always depends on your situation. I mean, I think I come admittedly from a place of privilege where like I have um, gone to a, like a good school. I have a good network. I have a lot of like quote brand recognition as an individual and for the companies I've started. So um, I could have capitalized easily on that when I started my business, as opposed to having to do all that, all that work of building my brand, you know, from the moment I decided to start my business. So I feel like I got like a nine year head start. Like, I think accountants have a term for it. I'm not an accountant, but I was talking to a friend who's an accountant and he's like, you know, you have all these years basically that are like, that you worked on this, that you didn't, you know, like you're now finally cashing in. So I think there's a term for that. Um, but if you have a passion project and you're building your credibility on the side and you're writing blog posts and you're like, you know, like working on, I don't know, your content, you're working on your content marketing. I think that's, that's what actually the, the term that I found is what I, when I look at the biggest companies and they have content marketing teams and editorial leads, I'm like, that is what I can do at a big company. Cause that's, that's basically what I've been doing a lot with Women 2.0 and Girl Geek X is working on the content marketing angle for entrepreneurship and women in tech. And that's hopefully easily translatable to the enterprise market. What about benefits? What would you say about revenue? Yeah, benefits. So benefits are important. It really depends on what, what, how, where you are in your life. So um, when I was doing all of these startups, I was, I was in my, 20s and 30s where I never got sick and nothing ever bad like I felt very lucky where I was I was never seriously ill I don't have any pre-existing conditions um, physical or mental like there's just so many things that I feel privileged to have had as well as I've always had partners that were dependable so if I lost I, I lost my job in 2008. I moved in with my then boyfriend for two years and then and wrote out the market crash in his apartment in Berkeley. Um, and now I have a husband who is an engineering manager in San Francisco. So he can help 
you know, I take, I can utilize his benefits, but I have to admit that not everyone can do that. Like not everyone has a partner with benefits. Um, and I think it really depends on what every individual, like I can't in good conscience tell everyone to be an entrepreneur if they are still like paying off student loans and they don't have, you know, have a, their burn rate is high and they don't have, um, you know, something in the bank to last them if, in case things go downhill. So oh, absolutely. I think if, if anything, that was one of my rude awakenings to come from a relatively posh environment. So I'm glad you called out privilege to be able to be a part of a posh environment where benefits I never valued. I never was sick. I never before didn't have kids. I have two now. I never used my benefits, nor did I consider them benefits. But as an entrepreneur, I have none. So knowing that in my case, my husband has benefits, I've been able to piggyback off that. But even the reality of coming from a very cushy nine to five multi six figure salary to literally zero overnight, I mean, that was a rude awakening. And the implications to me over the past few years has even been the way we live our life, our lifestyle, standard of living, which, you know, living in the Bay Area is very, very hard. So for me as an entrepreneur, that, that probably was my biggest rude awakening. Now, am I on path and am I on track to getting to where I need to be? Absolutely. But what's the trade-off, right? What's the trade-off during our hardest, relatively most successful, you know, bringing in the, bringing in the, the, the revenue years, right, of our, of our 40s, in my case, and, and 30s? So with that said, what, what advice do you have going forward? assuming someone has decided to take the jump. Yeah, I think coming up with um, some, a business model and some ideas for how you can make money and testing those as quickly as possible um, and maintaining your sales velocity um, over the years and then understanding that it's going to be um, a very long process um, and your product or your offerings are always going to be changing. Like that, that deck you're working on, um, you should get it out sooner than later because people are going to point at it and tell you how you're wrong and what they want instead. And so just kind of starting sooner than later can be helpful for entrepreneurs to kind of better get that faster product market fit so that they can succeed and pay themselves. And, you know, um, most startups do immediately fail. I think the number is like 90, over 90% fail as small businesses do. But I think it's exciting if you have the privilege to be able to start companies it's super exciting and it's it's really fun to test out these things it's very scary admittedly in the moment you're like oh my god I'm super failing no one knows it but like I got zero sales the last quarter and then suddenly something flips and things you'll get all your sales the next quarter so like it could happen but I encourage people to be coachable and I think that's the biggest thing about entrepreneurs is you have to be coachable because you have to you got to move, right? So Pinterest was not an overnight success. No, nothing was an overnight success. They all had to like acknowledge feedback and change what they were doing and learn. Um, so it is definitely going to be a non-glamorous, no perk environment unless, I mean, it's been a super interesting time. I think I've seen people um, have workspaces and we work, right? And they're like, we work is so cool. And now we know we work is not super cool. Um, and there is like some flaws to the illusion that things are glossy. And 
entrepreneurship. I don't know. I'm a little, I have a little bias because I started um, 15, I started about 15 years ago. My first job um, out of college in 2005 was in Palo Alto at a startup. And I moved to Palo Alto and I was super, I know people say Palo Alto is kind of boring. It's kind of true. So, but in that boredom, what I wound up doing is crashing a lot of startup events at Stanford and having gone to Berkeley where no one ever said the word entrepreneurship to me, or, and I never took it seriously as a social welfare major. Um, once I got to Stanford, I started crashing their entrepreneurship events and where like, you know, all the money was and everyone was like, get venture funded. I learned in like a year about all the ins and outs of funding and why it was like super biased towards white men from Stanford. Um, so I thought that that might not be the place for me, but I can make um, a community and company out of encouraging women to do it, which, you know, people really enjoyed that. And I have to say for reference, we started Women 2.0 in 2006, encouraging women to start high growth, high tech companies. And we sang a great, I think, siren, like, like siren song, like we were like, it's so cool to start companies. Here's investors who want to invest in women. But at the same time, when the numbers are pretty dismal, and they still are to this day, incredibly dismal for funding women and people of color um, with venture capital dollars. But I think we, for a good time, genuinely wanted that. We we wanted the future to arrive now and um, created some enthusiasm and community and great content around starting businesses um, and encouraging women to go for it. Um, yeah, and I think as long as you are having a good time and as long as you are paying yourself, um, you don't need a six-figure salary to be happy. Um, I think there's a different situation where people come from where if you came from like a Fortune 100 company and you're used to getting perks and status and looking at your bank account and going, but I just got more stock, so I need to stay here in more years so I can invest them. It becomes like a different mentality than the mentality of a hustler entrepreneur. And I think it's a different, it might be a jarring lifestyle shift. I've seen people who like had okay jobs at big companies like Google and they were like, oh, but I really like the perks. And then you're like, but you can just buy those perks yourself with the money and like do what you really want to do. But so I think there's this interesting thing that happens when people get really wedded to the perks of status and like having um, status at airlines and hotels and like, but at the end of the day, I still really love, and I think the, I think overall, we love entrepreneurs because they are, if done correctly, the drivers of this economy, right? And like doing the coolest, funnest things. And if we had more companies, we would have more girl geek dinners and they'd be so much more fun. Um, if we could have hundreds and thousands of small to medium-sized companies doing really cool things, instead of like just these fortune, just like, I think we were right now seeing the biggest companies getting bigger. Um, but I think personally as an attendee and as a person in the community, I think it'd be so much more fun to have more companies out there. So what type of resources do you have for an entrepreneur? I think you can find a lot of resources at like um, most of the like, I went to Y Combinator's startup school in 2006, and I thought it was a good experience. I think they do that in person and online now. But there's no shortage of content. There's no shortage of books. There's like Predictable Revenue is a good book. Um, and there is no shortage of VCs that are tweeting advice. Um, but I think just finding your community and meeting people and hearing from them and like, kind of like assembling a team of people around you 
what, not necessarily like you have to pay them as co-founders per se, but like mentors, advisors, people who can give you good advice and learning to understand who's giving you good advice and follow it. Ah, so what I'm hearing at Paramount is really getting yourself out there and building that community, yeah. that, that yeah. tribe that can support you. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like for us to know about you? Hmm. I think, I think it's just a journey and we're all struggling to kind of make it somehow, even though I think people, they post um, on the social medias that they achieve this thing. And some people post a lot more than others. Um, I think all of us are just trying to figure out how to stop reading the noise and the news and just kind of make sure that they are doing what they need to do. Um, so I think that's something that, and like what you want to do is always changing. Like, sure, I've started companies, I'm doing one right now, but I'm also open to learning from the biggest corporate environments um, because I think that would benefit my business in the long run as well um, to have that experience. So I think it's not like I'm going to hold on to, I'm still like waving entrepreneurship flag and saying, I love entrepreneurs. Some of my best friends are entrepreneurs. They're also product managers, engineers. Um, but I think that's why I like Girl Geek Dinners and Girl Geek X is because um, when I started, I was an engineer and then I became a product manager and then I became a marketing person. And then I've, my, my roles have changed and then I'm an entrepreneur. But, and I see these meetups where it's always like, if you're a Python person, you go to these meetups. If you're a women in product, you go to these meetups. If you are an entrepreneur, you might go to these meetups. But I find that kind of limiting. And I think that in our journeys, especially for people that are at small business companies and um, entrepreneurs is the girl geek kind of umbrella is more welcoming, inclusive and fun and invigorating than like one of these silos. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to see people at girl geek dinners and um, hear from them and learn from them, get inspired. And I think what we really want at the end of the day is for everyone to kind of inspire and help each other keep moving forward because you keep hearing like day in and day out how hard it is to be in this world where we feel like there's so much misinformation and so much burnout and so much is going on. So I think what we need at the end of the day is a lot of inspiration and just we need that network of people that will keep us um, inspired to move forward so that, you know, in 5, 10, 15 years, we'll, we're still in this business, in this industry, in this world kind of trying to make an impact and still and you know not burned out and um if you do burn out that's okay just come back in a year or two hopefully <laughs> and we'll still be here awesome thank you so much angie chang for being our first guest with our first podcast appreciate all of your wisdom you and all of your time <laughs> all right everyone so thank you for listening to our first episode of the at her best podcast my name is Minji Wong, founder of At Her Best, with Pauline Ng as executive producer. We'll be back soon with more conversations. To learn more, visit atherbest.co or follow at atherbestco. Thank you and see you next time. <laughs>